Well, hello, Faith family. Welcome to another one of our panel discussions. We had a great uh, message from Kyle today from Philippians chapter 3 on salvation. Uh, an important uh, subject, uh, one that a lot of people who've been Christians for a long time feel like they've got and they know everything there is to know about that, which is, uh, uh, can be a fallacy. And then also there's just wonderful truth for, for everybody from all walks of life and all backgrounds. Well, we'll start out like we often do, just asking uh, what we got uh, as a blessing out of this. So we'll, we'll introduce our new uh, panel <laughs> member here, Matt, who uh, directs our music program and really a jack-of-all-trades uh, behind the scenes here at the ministry. This is his debut on the panel. So we'll start out with you, Matt. How are you blessed by today's sermon? Well, I think that... that uh... A lot of our, our sermons here, Kyle is really good about, um, about directing a, a portion of the sermon to Christians and a portion of the sermon to non-Christians. And I really think today kind of hit a, a third block uh, of our culture, which is uh, people who think that they're Christians, but who aren't. And he really like focused in on it, especially right at the beginning. But I think the whole sermon really, it, for, for someone who spent much of my life as a lukewarm Christian, I put that in quotation marks, uh, that to me, it, it, it draws me out of that. It drew me out of that a long time ago, this, this same message, this same call, uh, you know, look at your life. Mm. If you're not, you know, living, if you're not growing in sanctification, you know, continue to, to you know, uh, I guess monitor how, mm. how that growth is, is progressing and and if it's not progressing, you might not be a Christian. There is a real chance you might not be a Christian. And I thought that I thought that today's sermon really uh, spoke to those to those people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. Good point. Good. So um, I've heard John MacArthur called the evangelist of the church, and you know certain contexts. And so there's a sense in which, you know, our preaching ministry, you have to speak really with two tongues, and you're speaking to the lost, you're speaking to the saved, and as you alluded to, the ones that think they're saved that could possibly be lost. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, matter of fact, I would say it's very pastoral. Mm. It's very scriptural. You know, when you look at those, those warnings and those exhortations that are in scripture, they're put there for a reason so that people can examine themselves. So I really liked how Kyle was honest with the text, how he went through and walked through the understanding of salvation. And he had those three movements that he wants to keep you safe from gospel distortions. That in itself is pastoral. We want people to know the true gospel and to know what those distortions look like so they're discerning. The second one is he wants to identify marks of those who possess salvation. That's a great litmus test. Do you, do you meet up aligned with those marks, sort of like you did in your John series? I mean, it's, it's good to know what, what true salvation looks like in the life of a believer. And the last one is I want to teach you the doctrine of salvation. There's nothing wrong with learning doctrine. Um, God commands us to to love him uh, with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, mm -hmm. right? And to obey him. Part of that mind is that, that cognitive ability of, of taking that gray matter and applying it to difficult texts and scriptures so that we can know our Lord better. So again, fantastic sermon. It blessed me. It, it was very, very encouraging to see colleges stick with the text and not tiptoe around it and use inclusive language, mm -hmm. which I think is a, a kind of a pitfall that some pastors yeah. do. Exactly. I, very, I was very much blessed by something similar that both of you mentioned, just his, uh, Kyle being in touch with who his audience is, yeah. whether that's the, the, the high concentration of military folks and the, the, the idea of, of rank and status and accomplishment, or just in our American context today of materialism and, and prosperity, what the good, Amer living the American dream looks like, and 
you know, as long as you keep your nose clean, don't do anything too bad, you're fine. Or whether it's even in today the, the outright atheists or just people who would consider themselves skeptics, uh, he did a great job of addressing each of those groups and showing how they, they desperately need, needed to understand what true salvation is. And that should give hope to any of you watching this panel discussion, no matter your background, your life circumstance right now, your age, uh, this, this truth here, especially the gospel, uh, is important for you and it's something that you need to consider. Well, hmm. we'll start to drill down a little bit more. Kent, what are some of the most dangerous ways that people distort the gospel today? So that, that's a great question. And what we see today in terms of our distortions of the gospel are typically not new. Um, they're heresies that have gone back all the way to the first century. We just give it a new name, a new twist, a new spin, but it's typically the same thing kind of regurgitated. In order to kind of you know, unpack that question, we have to define what the gospel is. What the gospel is is the fact that, that we as sinners have transgressed God's holiness and that we need atonement for our sins and that Christ came, lived amongst us, that he, he, he suffered and died the death that we deserve to pay the wrath of God that was meant for us and then he resurrected three days later and he's up in heaven interceding for us. I mean, so in a nutshell, that is the gospel. So what are those distortions? Those distortions are anything that undermines the exclusivity of Christ in salvation. Those distortions are anything that, that undermine the exclusivity of Christ in salvation. And that can be, as he mentioned, it can be your works, perceiving, thinking that you can work, that you can ingratiate yourself to God based off of something that you did. Um, it, it could be your family, if you think that you are a good Christian because you come from a great Christian upbringing, a Christian home. Um, all of those types of things, traditions, you name it, anything that, that, that takes the focus away from Christ and puts it back on you uh, is, is a distortion uh, in a nutshell. And that's kind of where we need to you know, focus that argument. Exactly. Yeah. What, are, what are some of the common ways that you see people are, are or distorting the gospel? Yeah, I mean, I think you said it uh, very well. I, I, anything that you're adding to the gospel, mm -hmm. anything that you're subtracting, and the, the gospel is simple. It's not, it's not a complicated, mm -hmm. uh, you know, theology, but people make it complicated. Yeah. People uh, add all kinds of things, and, and Kyle went through, and you just went through uh, a lot of the things that, that people, uh, he, he talked about uh, adding uh, uh, or, or putting your confidence in, in like ritual or mm -hmm. your ethnicity or all of these things that you think um, create in you some sort of uh, uh, like, like deserving, like you're deserving mm -hmm. of, of salvation. I think uh, uh, something that a lot of people will do too, they kind of have the, the sinner's prayer uh, yeah. mentality, which is, I mean, I grew up in that, in that culture of, uh, and I think a lot of people in the South. Did I pray do, the right words? Did yeah, I yeah. Did I say it? Yeah. Did I mean it enough? That's a yeah, big thing yeah, too. Oh, that's a tough. One. Um, yeah, and yeah. and the emotionalism that that uh, surrounds that. Like I was never a particularly emotional person, and when I would see my friends, you know, bawling their eyes out, walking up, I thought, well, I, I didn't cry. You know, like yeah. I, maybe <laughs> I was maybe I was supposed to cry. Yeah. So I did it fifty <laughs> times between twelve and nineteen. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's that's just such a dangerous thing to put. To, to, to bring yourself into that, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. to look at, like, how am I reacting to, is it, are my emotions, you know, heightened mm -hmm. enough? Did I say it this many times? Did I say it the right way? Uh, I just think that that distorts it yeah. so much, and it's something that I think happens a lot 
uh, particularly in, in the American South. Exactly. Right. And you're placing, yeah, you're placing your faith in did I do the right thing mm -hmm. versus placing your faith in what Christ did. Yeah. 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 And, and the it, faith uh, belongs in the object. The faith, it's mm -hmm. not the faith itself, the amount of faith. It could be a mustard seed. But it's, as long as that faith is in the, the proper object, Jesus Christ. Alone. Correct. And it becomes ritualistic yeah. in yeah. and of itself. Uh, you know, in, in the attempt to make the gospel super simple, and like I said, the gospel is simple, but to make it so simple that it's like you just got to pray these words, it becomes a ritual in itself, and, it's, mm -hmm. and you're missing the whole, the whole, um, the whole message. Yeah. No, I, I love how you guys have both touched on here. The, the, the underlying issue is a different focus. Obviously, the gospel is that we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. Our greatest need is forgiveness, and that because Christ died on the cross is the only way that we can have forgiveness, and we receive that through faith alone, not by good works. But mm. I love how you touched on how the, that focus from God and on ourselves is, is the core of the distortion, whether that's people who believe that they can be saved through being a good person through their moral performance, or whether it's the specific rituals of a particular religion or tradition, or uh, the people who are so focused on their self, they don't even think about their need for forgiveness, like the prosperity mm -hmm. gospel, mm -hmm. health, wealth, and prosperity gospel preachers that we have just down the road and in our area and on our TVs and on the internet. It's a, and it's so appealing to our sinful flesh is that there's a, a, a Christianity of self-help where I can be a better person and enjoy my best life now, to, to quote one of the prominent ones. Mm -hmm. But it completely breezes over that we've fallen and short of God's glory and that before God can show love to us, we must uh, experience forgiveness so we can have that restored relationship uh, or just to focus on their physical health rather than their spiritual health. There's so many different ways, but ultimately it's that focus on ourselves, making ourselves the object of worship, making mm -hmm. ourselves idols rather than worshiping the true God. But there's many different distortions, whether it's uh, being trying to be saved by our good works or are just basically trying to have a good life now. Mm -hmm. uh, those, these are all dangerous distortions of the gospel. Paul was very critical of them, and, and Kyle, faithfully preaching, mm -hmm. was very good at, at pointing out some of those. All right, next question. What are you most tempted to put your confidence in? We talked, uh, Kyle talked about how Paul, for part of his life, was rejoicing in his own status and accomplishments, that he was uh, circumcised on the eighth day, that he was of the tribe of Benjamin, that he had the best rabbinical education money could buy, and um, his status was huge to him. What are some ways that either you personally are tempted um, to put your confidence in or whether you commonly see in, in many mm -hmm. others? Yeah, so I think when you look at Paul's kind of summary of the things that he put confidence in, these were pre-salvation Paul. This was, you know, everything that he did up to that point in time before Christ met him on the road to Damascus. And then at that point in time, um, he, he realized that it was all rubbish, yeah. that none of it meant anything. So, uh, you know, myself personally, prior to my salvation, I kind of grew up in a little bit of a Christian home. I went to the uh, Episcopal Church. I was an acolyte. I lit the candles. Oh, yeah, that's the, yeah. That's the, pro that's the Anglican version of an altar boy, right? Yeah, that's the, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an Anglican version of the altar boy. And so I did all those things. Uh, my dad gave me the gospel when I was 15, and so I recognized that the only way into heaven was through Christ. And so I had a little watered-down understanding of it. I joined the Army at 18, and, um, and then I, I went to see these evangelists, uh, like day one in basic training to get away from the, the drill sergeants, and they were, um, they were you know, breaking bricks and blowing up bottles and all sorts of stuff. They were, you know, power men, and they gave a gospel presentation. So I went forward. Um, I was looking to be saved from something, probably from the drill sergeants. I wasn't looking for salvation from my sins. Yeah, and, a, lot of, a lot of guys make emotional decisions in the Army. Right, right. They, they yeah. see the wizard in ranger yeah. school or, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they... I walked the aisle. 
Uh, I said the sinner's prayer with them. Um, they even took this little Bible and said that, you know, my salvation date was 24 April 1996. But I wasn't saved. I wasn't born again. I was just mm. looking for help with life. Mm. And, you know, you fast forward. I, I graduate basic training. I'm back into my sinful ways. Nothing had changed. I wasn't actually born again until 33. But up to that point in time, prior to my actual salvation at 33, I could have looked at all those things and placed confidence in it. Uh, but, but they were absolutely rubbish. They didn't mean anything, you know, once I came to the full recognition of, of what Christ did in the cross to pay for my sins personally. So what kind of pitfalls do other people have? You think about it now. We talked about um, some of those distortions to the gospel, and I believe that there's a connection between the distortions of the gospel versus what people are putting confidence in. Mm. There's a very clear connection. Yep. Roman Catholicism, you know, have you, have you partaken of all of the sacraments? Have you been baptized? You know, have you, have you gone to Mass, done Eucharist? Have you done confession? Have you partaken of marriage? Have you done extreme unction when you finally pass and have the priest come? You know, mm. all those little things are, are things that give them hope and confidence that they're going to yeah. be with Christ. But um, they're things that they do or things that are mm. part of a system, a religious system that they're putting faith in. And it's taking away from the exclusivity of Christ. Uh, we could talk about folks that believe you need to be baptized. I've evangelized people and shared the gospel and, and have them say, hey, I'm, I'm good. I was baptized. Or, hey, I'm good. I said the sinner's prayer. And so they're placing faith and confidence in something that they did. Or some charismatics, you know, they, they, can, they can place their confidence in perceived gifts of the Spirit and say, well, I must be good. I am speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. That's just, a, and I'm not saying all charismatics do it, but nonetheless, it, it is something that happens. Yeah. And people are putting confidence in all sorts of other things. Some of them mystical, some of them experiential, some of them very personal stuff that they did. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Kyle alluded to the lyrics of On Christ the Solid Rock I Stand, and like that is the only way that we can have real confidence. The Bible speaks of having assurance, and you can't have that assurance if your performance has something to do with it. That is so true. So, uh, Matt, you're, you're uh, artistic, you're creative, talented. What are, uh, what are some ways that you personally are tempted to have confidence, either uh, in the past or ways that you've seen in people in your interactions that you, clear that they're having confidence in something other than just their, their status of faith in Christ? Sure, yeah. Um, I mean, Kent, you and I came from seemingly very different backgrounds, mm -hmm. but I, I think I struggled with the same, the, the same idea. I was told, you pray this prayer, and you're good to go. And I was always a good kid. Like, yeah. I, I didn't do bad stuff. You know, I had good friends, all of that. And that's like, to me, thinking back, that was one of the most mm -hmm. dangerous places to be because I had nothing, no indications, no, no obvious indications that I was still living in sin. Um, so I, I think that that's, that's a, a danger, you know, that I once dealt with, that this idea that, you know, I, I think what, what Kyle talked about, uh, ritual, you know, mm -hmm. that, that was a ritual for me. I prayed the prayer. I took communion. At your, I didn't know what communion was about. I just, you know, I just did, I did the stuff that I was supposed to do. I was a good kid. Mm -hmm. uh, I put my, my um, confidence in my moral, you know, goodness as a, as a teenager. I didn't get in trouble. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I didn't do any of that stuff. So I always thought that, like, I was, I was above everybody yeah. else because of that. I never really took and turned in. Like I knew I, I, knew, I knew that I sinned. I knew that much, but uh, it wasn't a real, it wasn't like mm -hmm. the big sins. Um, and also because I was so young when I, when I prayed that prayer, uh, I, I went through all of my teen years really believing that there was, you know, I guess because of the, I was taught the age of accountability too. So, you know, like 12 was, you know, I got saved when I was 11. So really by the time I turned 12, I was never really in any real danger 
of going to hell. I was, I was a kid, and then I kind of just transitioned into, into being a Christian. Uh, and, of course, all of that was turned on its head, you know, later uh, in my teen years. And, and I understood uh, my sin, and I realized that I was uh, a lukewarm Christian. Mm-hmm. I, I always say that in quotes. Kyle said something this morning. Um, Salvation makes you hot not cold, and I'd, I'd love to add, and not lukewarm. lukewarm. Yeah, yeah. There is no Seems such thing. Christ said something about lukewarm. Yeah, 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 and Christ said he would spit them out of his yeah. mouth. And then people, and I heard that, and I thought, well, yeah, I'm kind of lukewarm. And like thinking that the, the people who Christ spit out of his mouth were somehow still Christians. Like that was my understanding of like, well, he spit us out of his mouth, but like he's still, he's, you know, we're still, uh, he's still going to take me to heaven someday. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, someone told me once, like, there is no such thing as a lukewarm Christian. That's an oxymoron. That's not, that's not a thing. And uh, that turned it upside down for me. I think now, as I've, as I've kind of grown to understand the real um, uh, depravity of, of myself, mm-hmm. um, the thing that, that I consistently see myself putting my uh, confidence in is uh, self-control. Like, my ability to maintain self-control, my ability to, to say no to sin. If I'm able to say no to sin, then I'm, 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 I must be yeah. good. And how have I been doing lately? Yeah, yeah. how have I been doing <laughs> lately? And it's not that those things, it's always good to, to evaluate yourself and yeah. to be looking, and uh, you shouldn't be dealing, you shouldn't be struggling in the same way with the same sins that you were struggling with 20 years ago. Uh, if, you're, if you're still struggling just as much now as you were 20 years ago, mm-hmm. that's, that's a problem. That's a sign that you know, you're not, you're not growing in sanctification. Um, but for me now, I look at that, like I'll, I'll catch myself thinking, oh yeah, this, was a, this has been a great, you know, month. I've just, I've really like been obeying this month. I've really been like disciplined about getting up and praying and reading and, you know, and then I, I slip, slip up for a week or so. And then I'm, I'm, my, my assurance suddenly is, is, you know, depreciated yep. and, uh, you know, realizing that that's not how it works. That's not how any of this works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, that's, that's, because there is no basis for confidence. If yeah. it's anything other yeah. than Christ. Absolutely. Yeah. I liked how you talked about the confidence in your own morality, because mm-hmm. I've talked to a lot of people that mm-hmm. I've shared the gospel and I get that reply. Well, I'm a good person. They try to measure <laughs> themselves up to you know, murderers compared and whatever. To, compared yeah. to, yeah, and that's why I kind of like, you know, Ray Comfort's process exactly. as he takes him yeah. through. Yeah, yeah. Before you know through the Ten Commandments, have you kept all of these perfectly? <laughs> so you're saying you're a sinner. Yeah, yeah I guess I am. Yep, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I think if, I, if there's something that I'm tempted to, to have confidence in, at this stage of my life, it's my knowledge. You know, I've been, I've been, I was raised in church. I've read, actually read the Bible for myself from a fairly young age went to a Christian university, had some good Bible classes, and then just really sat under some excellent preaching at various times in my life. And I've acquired uh, a bit of Bible knowledge and theological knowledge. And it's just so easy to just kind of cruise on that. Like, oh yeah, I've got the answers for a lot of different things and, and I'm good. Um, and like, no, I'm, I'm, I constantly need to be guarding my life uh, against sin, mm. not because I'm afraid my soul depends on it, but because I want to please God, and God doesn't need my knowledge. You know, mm. He's like, that's cute. You think your little bit of knowledge is great. Uh, there was a time I could have been, you know, had confidence in my prayer, because I, I became a believer, I believe, at a very young age, one of the many reasons I'm so passionate about children's ministry. And, you know, if I had tried to have confidence in the feeble prayers, asking Jesus into my heart as a four-year-old, I would not have a basis of confidence. But mm. looking back, I believe that was the hour I first believed, even mm. though 
doesn't matter to one sense as long as I am trusting in the work of Christ, mm -hmm. so I know I'm, I'm, I'm a believer. But uh, I mean, people, uh, people can, Paul was, could have been proud of his Jewishness mm -hmm. and his Jewish pedigree. I've seen mm -hmm. so many people who are proud of their Amer to be Americans. Hey, I love my country too for a lot of different reasons. But like, you know, just because you're American and you went to church a few times or you grew up in the church doesn't mean you're okay. That does, should not give you any kind of spiritual confidence, mm. certainly before a just and holy God. People are proud of their, they're confident in their education, that uh, they, they, they had an elite education and they're smart and rational. Therefore, they, they know about all the issues that they, they should worry about. And like, oh, religion, uh, either they don't think it's that big of a deal or they don't think God would really punish anyone uh, that way or that, oh, surely he grades on a curve. Um, or they can be confident in rituals, whether it's religious rituals or their own self-made rituals uh, or their status. We see guys in the army, they're proud of their rank, their accomplishments, that they've been to ranger school, that they have all this experience. Uh, or people can be proud of their family line, you know, like, oh, I'm related to this people. Or uh, we see a lot with a lot of the racial tensions today, people can be proud of their race and think their race is superior to others, which is... Uh, just blasphemous. Or if they're not tempted to think their race is superior, they can get their, their primary identity out of their race or mm -hmm. ethnicity or national identity rather than as Christians. Now we're freed up to have our primary identity in Christ and we can embrace uh, as brothers and sisters in Christ people who are from very different backgrounds uh, than us. So those are all things that we can people can try to have confidence in. But mm -hmm. in the end, they're just sinking sand, as the old hymn says. We can only have true confidence if it's on the rock of Jesus Christ as understood through the gospel. All right, final question. Why is it important, Kent, to understand the tenses of salvation? Kyle went through that mm -hmm. wonderful chart illustrating the difference between justification, sanctification, glorification. Mm -hmm. So many people, whether it's in Christian denominations or people growing up in the church or as they're reading the Bible, they get so confused when they see uh, about this concept of salvation and its tenses. Um, why is it so important to understand that? Yeah. So I think the best way to explain the importance is just to kind of walk through it and give you little touch points to all three. So when you look at the doctrine of justification, that is the concept of how are you legally declared just or sinless or righteous before God? And that's the end state that we all need. Mm -hmm. um, you can't come into God's presence unless you are um, you know, covered in the blood of the Lamb. And so that justification, understanding that, is a recognition that that is done exclusively through Christ's work on the cross. Now, um, one of the, the things I, I talk about justification is the great exchange of the cross and, and, and Christ taking the worst of us upon himself, bearing the wrath of God and him giving the best of himself to us. So not only does he take our sin to make us sinless, but he then gives us his righteousness. And that's what makes us just before God. So we have to understand that because that's, that's the nuts and bolts of foundational of salvation. Mm -hmm. Now, once we're saved, it's not like God just calls us to heaven the next day. We got our fire insurance, too. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah we, we don't just say, okay, well, you're saved. Now, boom, you're going to go to heaven. We got a long time to live. Mm -hmm. There's some saints in this church that have been saved for 40, 50 years. And that 40, 50 years, you're a sojourner, you're an alien in this world, you're living in and amongst the world, and you are supposed to be growing more and more like Christ. Um, as a, partly, I would say, for a demonstration of what he's already done inside of you, but as to bring him glory. Yeah. So when you look at it, um, the American gospel kind of broke this down, that the, ju the justification is the root, 
and then the works of that is the fruit. That's the outflow of, of what happens from our salvation. So every day of our life, we're being sanctified. We're growing more and more like Christ. Now, sometimes that's painful. Sometimes we get the wire brush. We get the Holy Spirit conviction. Sometimes God may do things in our life that is very, very uncomfortable, but it is a recognition that he has an express purpose for it to bring glory through whatever we're going through. And then I think the glorification is great because that's the end state hope that we're looking for. Yeah. That is the state in which the fall of man, uh, you know, the, the, the deception of Satan is made right where Satan is conquered, where we know we're going to be in the presence of our God and everything is going to be right for eternity. So that's the hope that we look forward to that can help sustain us through this period of sanctification. So all three are very, very foundational. It's good to not get the wires crossed with the sanctification versus the justification. Yeah. Matt, anything to add to that? Or just what are some ways that as you've been reading the Bible and, and the, the difference has kind of confused you or you've seen other people that really get hung up on the difference between justification, being declared righteous, the process of sanctification, mm -hmm. living that out in our daily life, and then ultimately glorification when we have no sin. Yeah, well, I, I think that's one of the reasons it's important to understand the tenses that, yeah. that Kyle mm -hmm. brought up on his chart. Um, I, I think that a lot of people just, they only see the past tense version of it. It's, there's only justification. It was, uh, it, to, to bring out my, my West Virginia I done did that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I'm going to call it done did that theology. Uh, you know, you're just, you've already kind of, you've crossed over that line. It's, salvation is something I once did, not something I mm -hmm. continue to, mm -hmm. to live in. Um, and that's just, that's dangerous. You, you, you don't realize that if you're not looking for, um, for growth in sanctification, if, you're, if you don't think that, that anything is going to change, if you don't, I mean, you say that. Mm -hmm. you, you, people get saved and they're like, well, I'm going to change my whole life. But you know, when, when, you, when it comes down to it, nothing is changing in you. And if nothing is changing in you, you've, you've, you've stuck with the past tense. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, the, the future tense, you know, you'll never get there. That's yeah. not a, you, there, you, you have to go through sanctification. Like you said, it might be 50 years. It might be five minutes, mm -hmm. you know, but every, every minute that we get uh, on earth is a gift. And every minute that we spend uh, not growing in sanctification, not not having been justified, is a wasted moment. Every well, every moment that I mm -hmm. that I spent before I knew Christ was wasted, and every moment that I get to live here on earth is is a, an opportunity to bring glory to Him, an opportunity to tell others uh, about uh, you know about what Christ did for them. Yeah, to invest it for something yeah. that really truly right. matters. Yeah, the, 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 that's so important. Um, it's it's so easy to read through the New Testament and think, well, this almost sounds like we're saved by doing good works. Or this, this almost sounds like, you know, we shouldn't have any struggles with sin. And so, but I still struggle with sin. What's going on? Is something wrong with me? Mm. Um, and and it, it's so important to understand you can't have confidence of your status with God by justification because you place your faith on Christ who bore the punishment that you could never bear and you can have confidence in that. And that should now motivate you to live the Christian life, not out of Fear guilt, as I like to say, but out of love guilt. Now when we sin after justification, it, we, we feel bad for letting down the one that we love mm. and who's loved us the most. I remember when I was at Notre Dame and getting to talk with, with uh, Catholics who were serious about their faith. And then uh, we, we'd be talking about justification by faith, and they'd just look at me like it was ridiculous. Set aside the whole different scriptural interpretation because they don't see scripture as the final authority, but they add church teaching and, 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 and revelations. Mm -hmm. 
they just said, like, what's your motivation to live the Christian life if you feel like you're saved? Like, well, what's the deal? And they, again, because mm -hmm. they don't understand the difference between justification and sanctification. And it's really important to not to mix those up. And then to not realize that we will never attain uh, spiritual perfection in this life. But we mm -hmm. look forward to that, that glorification uh, in heaven. It's uh, so important. Uh, and uh, it, it brings God great glory when we understand these things. And, and really, was it last sermon or the two sermons before where Kyle was preaching here in Philippians, work out your salvation. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. sanctification. The salvation that you possess now, work it out in your life mm -hmm. until that completion one day when God makes it perfect in glorification. Well, yeah. Faith Family Church, we hope you benefited from this and helping to understand the gospel and all its richness and its glory, how it applies to non-believers and, and how it should never get old to even those of us who've been believers for many years. Uh, Lord bless you. We love you. Thank you for listening to this resource of Faith Family Church. We gather on Sundays at 495 Hugh Hunter Road in Oak Grove, Kentucky, and are a short drive from Fort Campbell and Hopkinsville, Kentucky, as well as Clarksville, Tennessee. For more information, visit our website, myfaithfamilychurch.com.